We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman, the future former beat writer for the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We will explain Chris's new role at at the Bee or his future new role at the Bee shortly. I'm not 100% sure because that's not my life. Uh, That's his, and I will let him explain it. What we're going to do today after that, though, is we're going to look ahead to five position battles we're watching going into training camp. And and this may get kind of tweaked between now and camp, but it seems pretty pretty solidified that, that these are going to be the five most interesting battles going into uh, training camp at the end of July. So we will talk about those and see where we're at. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Chris, you are, first of all, I have, uh, I, I got a couple of things we got to get to off top. First of all, uh, welcome in, as always. But, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> but, welcoming me. But, but, um, <laughs> well, I was going to do that. I was going to say Chris, Chris is here, like, like gets a guest, but right. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little tired. We went and hung out in Tahoe this weekend and, and I'm still catching up mentally after, uh, after the longest weekend I've had since college by far yeah it was it was just one of those that was just much needed um we've all been cooped up in our houses for a long time and uh we had planned this trip i don't know six weeks ago or something like that it was a while ago yeah and uh we went up there with no plans other than to play golf on saturday so everything was just kind of winging it and it was it was just fun man it was just cool to do whatever we wanted basically for the first time since the pandemic um, enjoy, enjoy meet the, the fact that we're, that we're all vaccinated. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got after a little bit. It was, it was a much needed, much needed trip with the bros. So thanks for being a part of it, man. Yeah, no, thank you. And, um, the best 60 plus dollars I've ever spent on a jukebox <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it pays to have control of the aux cord at a bar 
and setting the vibes. Because I learned we would have been weekend. we would have been out of that place. Oh, easily. Really, really quickly if we didn't if we were unable to control the uh, the music. I, I oh. think I found the biggest chasm in our friendship though over What's the that? weekend. It, it's just the fact like so this oh that this, I'm very indifferent toward Jay Z. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Kyle is not a Jay Z fan. Um, I, like Jay Z is my favorite musical artist. So it was a uh, it was a bunch of me being like, "What? You don't like this song?" Like a, a lot of that type of stuff. Um, I need after to, a bunch I need of old to, fashions, but it was I, it, it, I, it was it's easily the biggest chasm in our friendship. I think I need I need to defend myself here. I mean, I'm not attacking you're you. It, you're, no, but but you're making it sound like I'm like, oh, F Jay Z. I can't stand Jay Z. That's not the case. Okay. I'm just uneducated in Jay Z. Fair enough. I know he's awesome. <laughs> it's just when he was awesome, like when well, check that when he first started being awesome was not a point in my life. I was like six when right. when Reasonable Doubt came out. So. <laughs> yeah. Fair. So I mean I wasn't a whole lot older than that. No, but, no, know. I know that, but but like, I didn't start listening to hip hop and rap until very late in my life. Sure. Or re- I mean, relatively recently in the span of my life, like college was when I first really got into hip hop. Right. So we're talking, like, kind of later Jay Z, where uh, Magna Carta Holy Grail was the first Jay Z album that I was like, oh sweet, I'm gonna listen to this. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I'm at. It's not that I dislike Jay Z. I just haven't caught up yet. Yeah. That's all. And there's Fair a enough. lot of we'll, and there's we'll, a lot we'll of there. his hits that that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you there. <laughs> quick beating the heat story. Another thing I wanted to get to. Uh, I'll make this very quick. Thought my AC went out again. We just had it replaced in the fall, uh-huh. and it turned out it was the thermostat, not the actual AC. So got that fixed up, and we're good to go back to beating the heat but let's talk about you for a moment this is actually a good segue uh via beating the heat because the big thing is i'm going to move to sacramento where i'm going to have air conditioning yes and so all all of this discussion about not having it and and recording in the heat and it's going to be really hot in in, uh in the south bay over these these next few days but um yeah i'll have air conditioning there, we'll have to we'll have to reimagine the bit once I move to Sacramento. But yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, talk about your new role and why you're moving to Sacramento. Yeah. So I am no longer going to be a day to day beat writer. My job is evolving from um, covering the 49ers exclusively to moving to Sacramento and writing about sports. Um, everything uh, about sports in Sacramento, uh, a lot of big national stories I'll, I'll touch on. Um, we've uh, and I'll, I'll still be doing 49ers stuff. The Niners are the Niners are going to be a predominant focus for me, but it won't be the only thing I do. So like instead of being at the facility um, Mondays, uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays and some Fridays, I'll probably be there once a week with the goal of trying to write a, a bigger story or an exclusive um something that's away from the beat away from the daily coverage that um you know everybody else is writing and that i've been writing for the last uh what three seasons with the b so um it's more of a a feature writing and column writing role and i'll still be going to games obviously 
um, home and the road. And, uh, and so, you know, think of me like you think of, you know, Phil Barber or somebody like that. Not that I'm anywhere, you know, Phil like Barber, less Sam funny Farmer. That's that I'm nowhere near <laughs> any of these guys, but in just in terms of like how good I am or, or what I've accomplished, but that's sort of the role I'm moving into is that, sure. um, column writing, you know, a helicopter in for, for Wednesdays to talk to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and, and whoever I can get, but it won't be the day to day. Here's the injury notebook stuff. Um, you know, here's what so-and-so said at their locker today. Like that stuff will be, um, is we're not hiring like a new beat writer. Like I'm not being replaced. It's just, we're, we're changing my role to, to better suit our readers. And ultimately like, it's going to be really nice to be able to sink my teeth into bigger stories. Um, and, and, you know, I have a story coming out Wednesday about Africans, American, African Americans in baseball. And, um, you know, I got to talk to Dusty Baker and Marcus Thompson of the athletic, um, another guy who's a columnist who has just been an incredible, you know, uh, just an incredible guy to, to follow throughout his career and talk to and, and yeah. things like that. But, um, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm moving to Sacramento. I'm excited. Uh, change of scenery i don't know if you know this kyle but it's the the sacramento area is a little bit more affordable um than santa clara what? so uh so yeah the complaints about air conditioning are about to go way by the wayside i know Sacramento's gonna be warmer but i'm looking yeah, forward to, okay. to diving in and so that's the that's the explanation of the new role and uh i'm super super excited about it not that uh you know, I do like beat writing, and um, if there are other beat writing opportunities that that come along in the future, I'm I'm definitely going to be open to that because it's it's a really fun job. But this is going to allow me to to uh, do some other things, and and I'm looking forward to that. It's not it's going to be predominantly Niners still. It's just going to be more in depth, mm-hmm. um, and then all the other stuff that goes along with my job in Sacramento. So it's going to be awesome. Well, congratulations Thank on the you. new gig. Thank you, thank uh, enough you. about you. How does this impact me? Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, my goal <laughs> is to be an even better podcaster. <laughs> oh, great. All right. I'm in there. <laughs> because sometimes I feel like when we record and this is, you know, full disclosure, like I've been writing about the Niners all day and then to hop on and talk about it. It's like, it can, it can be a little tiring and there's, there can be some elements of burnout. I don't think there are going to be elements of burnout now in this role. And I think I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, just a better, a better voice on, on the 49ers, just given, um, given that all, I won't be like dragged down by it every day. So it's, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be good for, for everybody. Good for, good for me, good for you and, and good for all the listeners who have, uh, who've been super supportive and, uh, appreciate everybody, but nothing's going to change on the, on the podcast front in terms of me having a different role with the paper. One of the things that you'll get to observe as I transition expertly here is some of the <laughs> position battles going on in training camp. Although for those, you will still be on the quote unquote beat, I believe um, during, during camp. So yeah, I'll still be there. I'm not moving till September as so, of right now. So let's, let's look at Sacramento in the falls. Excellent. By the way, anyways, okay. let's look at, some of the position battles that we're that we're going to be keeping an eye on going into camp, and we're not going to do the thing where we rank them or do dueling lists or something. These are I I think it's pretty easy to pick out the five where the 49ers are going to actually have some some real competition for 
either roster spots or starting jobs. And I think the most op- the, the most obvious one that we'll just get out of the way up top here is the the starting quarterback job. I know going in, it belongs to Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers have said that they want Jimmy Garoppolo to start and to be the guy so they can kind of bring Trey Lance along and have him eventually take over. Um, Jed York has said that if Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter for two more years, then so be it. I don't see that happening necessarily. But we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's not necessarily a lock that Garoppolo is the starter in week one, even if it's a very high likelihood. Right. So there's an obvious and and the reason I think the reason why it's it's good to frame it that way is because of what's happening with the the Bears and Matt Nagy and, and Justin Fields. And he came out and said, Andy Dalton is for sure our week one starter. That's not going to change. Basically cementing that decision in June, which I just think is insane um, because you have training camp like there's no reason to say that right unless you really just aren't excited about what you've seen from Justin Fields and maybe you're trying to light a fire underneath him at this point. But I I find that unlikely. I just you know, I just don't understand why you would even make that proclamation in June, which is in contrast to what Kyle Shanahan said when he spoke to Tim Kawakami on his podcast. Um, I, I think it was over the weekend or last week's basically saying that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter right now because Jimmy Garoppolo is a, a good player and has been in the system and is a team captain and, um, and has all the experience while Trey Lance is just really getting indoctrinated into the offense and the system for the very first time. So it would mm-hmm. be completely insane for, for Trey Lance to be at a point where he's beating out Jimmy Garoppolo based on what's happened in OTAs, right? But that doesn't mean sure. that Kyle Shanahan isn't devising plays that he wants to run for Trey Lance um, and that Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo cannot run and that maybe it's a you know training wheels version of the offense that Kyle Shanahan decides to roll with and that allows him to, to make Trey Lance a starter. And then the Niners are going against defenses that have not scouted anything the 49ers are going to do because their entire playbook is going to be new with a new quarterback. So, right. you know, I, I think Trey Lance is, you know, I, I, everybody said how, how intelligent he is, how good he is from an X's and O's standpoint. But, you know, even like George Kittle as a rookie, you know, he famously said during his rookie season, and he, and he had a pretty good rookie year, but he was basically running around with his, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off because the offense is so complex. And Kittle right. was spending so much time worrying about where he had to line up and what his responsibilities were on each play that it didn't allow him to just play naturally and make plays really until his second season. So you could imagine what it's like for a quarterback trying to learn learn the offense. Now, that being said, you know, it could be that it's not necessarily the full breadth of the playbook. So maybe Kyle Shanahan will will allow Trey Lance to start early earlier in the season than I guess it seems like right now, but you know, I think Jimmy Garoppolo's had a good spring, and I think you know the 49ers are going to say he's had a good spring because some would argue gonna... it's his best spring. Yeah, his best spring. Um, you know, the 49ers are going to say all that stuff because they eventually need to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So it doesn't behoove them to say anything other than, you know, Jimmy's awesome and everything Jimmy's doing is great and his attitude's perfect and all that. Like I, 
you know, it's I'm not saying it's not true. It's just that's how it works. When you're eventually going to trade a quarterback, you're not going to say anything publicly that would make his trade value go down. Sure. Um, so quarterback is going to be fascinating. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo has a pretty substantial lead right now, but I guess the, the point I'm trying to make here in a long-winded way is that it wouldn't surprise me at all if at some point in the preseason um, Kyle Shanahan decides, hey, we're just going to roll with Trey um, because he needs the reps. I think he's smart enough, and, and I'm going to devise an offense that will make him successful in a similar way he did when he had a training wheels offense sort of for, for Robert Griffin in 2012 with Washington. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm wondering how fast, how quickly into camp we see Trey Lance get reps with the ones if that's something they're just going to do out the gate like hey he's going to get five reps with the ones just to to start camp and just kind of see what it looks like or if that's something that they'll try and ease him into kind of as they go the other thing is what's it going to look like from a media standpoint both from from you guys the reporters who were there on site as well as on social media with fans and whatnot. What's it going to look like the first time Trey Lance has an awesome practice with the twos and Jimmy Garoppolo throws a couple interceptions? Yeah, it's going to be... That's where it's going to be, to me, Like, is it just going to be like, oh, it's training camp, who cares? Or is it like, yo? It's going to be a very high-pressure training camp from that standpoint. Um, and I think the, the practices that they're going to have with the chargers down in LA before their preseason game are going to be super important. Um, Mm. so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated. What, what's funny about training camp is like, you know, their coaches are not beholden to where guys get reps necessarily. Right. Like I remember writing, um, I forget which off season it was, but it was like CJ Spillman. It was like, it had to be like 2014 or something. 49ers legend. Yeah, and um, but not not a legend as a human. Um, no, bad guy for sure. <laughs> not not a great post football career. Um, but C.J. Spillman was like the starting free safety, uh, or one at starting at one of the safety spots, like very early on in training camp. And then all the stories are that you know, oh, C.J. Spillman getting getting safety reps, and the coaches are all really saying good things about it. 
And then it turns out CJ Spillman's just like a, you know, a special teams guy. Or so it's not like you know, a lot of what happens early on in training camp is, isn't necessarily a, an indication of what's going to happen week one. It's just this guy's getting reps here and we're experimenting with this guy here. And so all that stuff is going to be noted. But, you know, it's extra I, I'm just, notable at quarterback. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know how, like, if there's going to be a real competition when... So how it works is like the first two weeks are all open to reporters. And then after those two weeks, we only get like regular season access to practice, which is basically like the first 20 minutes during individual drills and stretching. So, you know, there could be, it could be that Kyle Shanahan designs it to have Trey Lance get the first team reps once the media is not watching. But so, so that's, what's going to make those practices with the Chargers so interesting is because when you have joint practices, those have to be, um, or the media is allowed to, to, to watch the entirety of those practices. So um, it's going to be fascinating. I'm really fascinated to see how Kyle Shanahan utilizes Trey Lance in the preseason, just in terms of like how many, how many quarters is he going to play? Is he going to be like, I'm going to let Trey play, you know, two quarters each game and maybe like the entirety of the third game or something like that. Right. And and reps. how much that will matter in terms of his evaluation when it comes to the starter. All that stuff is unknown right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly gonna be an interesting an interesting training camp. Probably the most interesting training camp the Niners are, are gonna have since I've been covering the team since you know, twenty thirteen pretty much. Okay, quickly here because we have four other ones to get to, and I don't wanna belabor the quarterback conversation since I'm guessing we will continue having it uh, all year. Yeah. Would it be more telling if Trey Lance played, let's say, your scenario, the first half of both of the first two preseason games and all of the third one, or if he played, like, the first half of the first one, a couple series in the second one, and then maybe, like, a series in the third one? If he doesn't play a lot in the preseason, I strangely think that means he would be the, he would like be very close to starting okay okay kind of like all right i like because i'm not Shanahan, gonna hold you to that take you can we can amend that i just wanted to know your yeah. off the cuff reaction right now because because kyle shanahan's the the type who's like he doesn't necessarily need to see it in a preseason game right. if the quarterback's ripping it up on the practice field right so that's kind of where i'm at on that but if if trey lance gets a ton of preseason reps then I think that'll be telling because that'll mean that Kyle Shanahan thinks he really needs the preseason reps, right? Which is sort of like, you know, and he does, I'm sure he does, but you know, there's, there's, there is a world where Trey Lance just kills it in practice and Kyle Shanahan feels confident enough that he's like, all right, we'll give Trey Lance, you know, the normal second quarterback reps, but not more than that because I'm really confident in what I've seen from him. Right. Um, So that would be, that's certainly a, a plausible scenario. Let's move on to the guys responsible for keeping whichever starting quarterback is under center upright. And Trent Williams is going to start at left tackle. Legan Tomlinson at left guard. Alex Mack at center. Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. The right guard spot is open right now. And the three guys that it looks like are really vying for that spot are Aaron Banks, the second round pick. From Notre Dame, Daniel Brunskill, who held on to the job last year before he had to move to center. 
And Colton McKivitz, who the 49ers selected out of West Virginia in the fifth round last year, he saw a little bit of action at bright guard last season. This to me, and I said this during the draft, if Aaron Banks isn't beating out Daniel Brunskill or Colton McKivitz to start as a rookie, the 49ers probably made a mistake with that pick. Yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, Daniel Brunskill was the one with the starters at right guard during OTAs that we saw. Um, and it's sort of similar to Garoppolo in the sense of like, well, he's the incumbent starter. Um, the rookie who, who's, who's eventually going to displace him just has to prove he can displace him before actually doing it. And you don't really get that opportunity in OTAs because there isn't a whole lot of physicality. Um, so yeah, I, I think in an ideal world, if you're the 49ers, you probably want Daniel Brunskill in that sort of utility role where he could play basically any of the five spots, which becomes a little bit more important, especially after losing Justin School to the ACL tear last week. Right. Um, so I think it does make a lot of... Obviously, you you know, you know draft a guard in the in the second round. You He's, like you said, he should be starting right away. Yeah. Um, and then McKivitz is another one who could probably play... Um, I mean, I, I, I'm guessing he could, he could, he could play center if he had to, but I, I think he might be somebody the 49ers envision, uh, ha- having the capability to play all five spots. Um, I so yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a competition right now because Aaron Banks needs to win the competition to, to become the starter, but like, he's going to be the starter at some point. It's just Brunskill was getting those reps because he's the incumbent and that's just what happens this time of year. Right. I think it's going to be Banks. Yeah. Like you said, it would be it would be a Josh Garnett type failure if um if Aaron Banks doesn't win the starting job and play at a reasonably high level early on. Like yep. that's what you draft a guard in the second round to be is an instant starter yep. who can be good right away. Yep. And if he's not, it's generally a bad pick. So while Aaron Banks is the I guess the favorite uh, it's, it's still going to be worth keeping an eye on because it's, you know, it's not guaranteed. He may get the reps there, but uh, when, if, and when Aaron Banks becomes a starter at right guard, they'll have first or second round picks at every spot along the wow. offensive line, actually four yeah. first round picks in Aaron Banks. So four first wow. round picks and a second round pick. So in theory, the 49ers could have a really good offensive line if everybody stays healthy. And that's that's going to be very key. Yeah, and Alex Mack doesn't doesn't age quickly. Right, right. right. So, yeah, if they can, if they shore up the interior of their offensive line, they're going to be they're going to be they're going to be pretty hard to beat offensively. Yeah. And watching Aaron Banks, like you know, I think I said this when he was drafted, but he's he is good in pass pro, and he's pretty immovable. And I just think the the Niners envision him just you know like Aaron Donald's really really good. I think Aaron Banks is going to be the best player the 49ers have had to throw at him. Um, you know, like when when in a year or two, like Aaron Banks has a chance to be to be the player that gives the 49ers the best chance against Aaron Donald because I don't know if they have anybody like that right now. Well, Brunskill did a great job against him last year. In two yeah. pressures or whatever. <laughs> no, I I think that's right though, and that's not to say that that they're going to render Aaron Donald ineffective. Like Aaron no, Donald's it's just a they, good player, but can you keep him from destroying a game? 
I think they made the Aaron Banks pick with Aaron Donald in mind. I that, guess is, is how that, I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's jump over I, to the defense. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't have a whole lot more on the interior. I don't, situation. I don't either. Okay. I was just making notes. Okay. Let's jump over to the nose tackle spot now, which is not a position I really had in mind. You brought it up and it's, it's kind of an under the radar battle, but between two players who maybe three and maybe three players who are all pretty good and i think yeah. that when you look at what made the 49ers and I'll, and I'll hand the position battle part to you because you you had the idea and i think it's i think it's interesting but what made the 2019 49ers defensive line so good was not so much i mean nick bosa is obviously awesome and and if he's healthy and he's a defensive player of the year candidate and having Eric Armstead have the best year of his career was, was a pretty significant deal. But part of what made them so good was just kind of how relentless they were for four quarters. It was just constantly cycling players in who were, who were good and effective players. And I think that they've built a defensive line again that has the potential to do that same thing. And I think it starts with the fact that there are two or three guys who could potentially be starting caliber players at nose tackle. Yeah, so I think DJ Jones is the favorite. Sure. Um, but he's had ankle issues now the last two years. And I think Zach Kerr is a pretty good insurance policy for, for Jones, given given all the ankle issues. Um, Kerr is, is somebody who's been in the league for eight years, um, seven years. This is his eighth. And he's played, he's played for the Colts, Broncos, Cardinals and Panthers and he's just generally a, a solid player like this is this is sort of the the I mean this is the type of player you want as a backup somebody providing depth um, because he's it's, it's not like you're just throwing a scrub out there who's going to be a liability I think Zach Kerr is a starting caliber nose tackle in the league um, and so I think that's a that's a good situation to be in if you're the 49ers because you do like DJ Jones and you do like what he gives you when he's healthy, but he just hasn't been all that healthy because of that ankle. So um, I think Kerr was a good signing. And then I think Kevin Givens, um, you know, mm. I, I, I think, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be that same role, like that pure nose tackle and on first down, you know, against, against two receiver sets, he might be more of a pass rusher, but I think Givens is, is, you know, I, there's been some talk about him. I know D'Amico Ryan's mentioned him specifically, um, you know, he's shown flashes in, in last year in particular, I think of being a valuable member to, to a defensive line group, particularly if he's not a starter, but I think, you know, sort of like what Ronald Blair was in, in 2019, maybe before he got hurt, like a, a really nice backup defensive lineman. I think Givens could be a similar player just along the interior, right? So I think, He's probably a better pass rusher and more explosive pass rusher than Zach Kerr, certainly. Um, but, you know, if if Kevin Givens ends up starting and getting time at nose tackle, I wouldn't be all that surprised. I think he's probably going to be more of a rotational interior guy behind Armstead and Kinlaw. Um, but, you know, I, I think he might be intriguing enough to where, you know, he might be like a better version of Sheldon Day. And Sheldon Day started a bunch. Um, because DJ Jones had gotten hurt, if you remember. Um, mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I think there's there's a little bit of intrigue at that at that nose tackle battle, and I think it, it's most likely to be DJ Jones, but um, you know I think there are two other guys that that wouldn't provide a ton a whole ton of drop off uh, if it's not DJ Jones. I don't have a ton to add on the nose tackle battle. I'm not gonna okay. lie. How about strong safety? <laughs> I I I I. I I'm going to go back to what I said at the top. I think DJ Jones wins the job and I think he's actually a, a really, really high quality player as, as long as he's staying healthy and he's on the field. But like you said, having additional players like Kevin Givens and Zach Kerr who provide quality, if Jones is either unavailable or getting a breather, that that is a, a significant deal and finding that at multiple positions on the defensive line is going to be important. Let's talk strong safety with, we had mentioned before, I think on our last pod, actually, we talked about how strong safety was kind of an underrated uh, position battle or an, an not as talked about position battle. Well, Tavarius Moore got hurt mm-hmm. and Tavarius Moore was a player that you had cited might be the favorite to land the job or one of the favorites to land the job. He tears an Achilles. He's out for the year. That leaves the competition kind of wide open. There's the incumbent with Jaquaski Tart, who's probably now the odds-on favorite to win that job. But there's Marcel Harris, who's played some there when Tart has been unavailable, a former sixth-round pick. Talanoa Hufanga, who the 49ers drafted this year in the fifth round, uh, one of their three fifth-round picks out of USC. And then they signed veteran Tony Jefferson, who didn't play last season. He tore his ACL in week five of the 2019 season while he was with Baltimore prior to that I played with Baltimore and then also played for the Cardinals so he was uh, prior to getting hurt he was a pretty good player and and starting for a good a good Ravens squad I have no idea because D'Amico Ryan's it sounds like he's schematically gonna gonna bring a lot of the same things that Robert Sala did but I think more blitzes it sounds like it Sounds like that'll be more prevalent. It feels to me like the move is starting Jaquaski Tart. Yeah. Because he's familiar with the defense and he presumably knows D'Amico Ryans. Yeah. Just... Yeah, Tart I mean Tart's been a valued player when he's been healthy. He's just missed basically right. half of his games throughout his whole career. Right. Um you know, one thing that we started hearing about Tart last year was that he's a really good communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, I, I just think that sort of speaks to the experience and the fact he's one of the the most tenured guys, not even, you know, in the secondary room, but really in the whole in the whole locker room. He's been around since 2015. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's he's the odds on favorite to start. I think he probably would have started if not played a lot as as a third safety if uh Tarverius Moore hadn't gotten hurt. You know, Marcel Harris I think is going to need a a good camp to, you know, to make the team and and I think it a lot of that will have to do with special teams. Um, you know, Talano Hufanga is is somebody that you know, played a lot of really good football at USC and is and was kind of a playmaker there. And if you look at you know, you look at Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart, they have made plays, but they're not 
that you know neither are known for being playmaking safeties, right? Like they're both very solid. But Jimmy Ward famously hasn't had an interception since what 2016 or whatever. Yeah. Um, Joe Tart, you know, I he's he's not exactly like a ball magnet. I know he has made some plays, but you know, I think what they liked about Hufanga was just sort of that playmaking aspect of his game, and so right. Um. I don't know that that means he's necessarily going to start, but if Talanoa Hufanga was a third safety this year, and you know, particularly playing near the line of scrimmage where he's not asked to to you know run a four four with with some of the fast receivers on the outside and and over the middle, you know, I, I think he could be he could be a factor for them. So, um, this is sort of similar to the nose tackle conversation in that there are some similarities between. Tart and DJ Jones when it comes to availability and health. Um, and so, you know, like that nose tackle spot, you do have other guys who who can play the position um, and who, who do offer some intrigue lower down on the depth chart. But it's going to be like, you know, Jaquaski Tart didn't participate in OTAs because he was recovering from surgery to repair his turf toe from late last season. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's been hurt so often that you, you know, like so so many other guys on the roster, you just you can't be a thousand percent sure that he's going to be available for the entire time. So that I think that's the main reason why we put strong safety there, particularly now that the guy who would have replaced Tart had he gotten hurt towards Achilles. And that's, you know, to various more, obviously. So, um, you know, it's they're solid if they're healthy. Um, but if Tart does go down without more now, then you're you're talking about not having your, your first two options. So you're essentially playing a third stringer at strong safety, which is the issue. Um, one of the things I'm looking for with this spot in camp is what... And obviously they're not going to show a bunch of stuff while reporters are there. And they're not. They're certainly not going to go into preseason and and show everything they're going to do defensively. But where is that strong safety regularly lining up? That, In the box, that, right? But is there going to be? Is that going to change at all? So they they did, like Jimmy Ward is used in man to man a lot. Um, right. Or at least Robert Sala used him in man to man a lot because he thought he was an elite cover guy. And I think, you know, I, I think that's generally true. I think that's the strength of Jimmy Ward's game is that he's just really good man to man coverage guy. Right. Um, which is kind of rare for the position he plays. So when he is in man to man, then you roll your safeties the other way. Right. So you have you have Ward near the line of scrimmage and then you put Tart back. Right. Deep. And, and that's something they liked about Tervarius Moore, too, because of his speed. He was versatile to he was versatile enough to allow Jimmy Ward to be versatile. Well, he's a free safety um, in college. Right. Yeah. That yeah. And and so Tart is has enough range, I think, to play free safety. Um and he's he's done a lot of that. But yeah, I think That's I where think, I wonder that that's my that's my concern. Or not my concern, but that's my biggest question about the other three guys. Harris oh, Ufanga, like can Marcel Jefferson. Harris play deep? Right. It, or, yeah, probably can he not. Do so and I don't know if, Yeah, and I don't know if Ufanga can either. Right. So that's so. that's that'll be something like if they think Tony Jefferson can, all of a sudden maybe Tony Jefferson's more in the mix than yeah than we thought. Yeah. So that's 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 one of the things I'm. I wouldn't bet on anybody other than Jaquaski Tart winning the job. 
Right. But whoever is behind him is going to be important because of the reasons you laid out. Let's get to the fifth one. And, and I think probably outside of quarterback, the most interesting or wide open battle on the roster. It's not to say quarterbacks wide open. It's one of the most interesting because it is so wide open is the third wide receiver job. It's Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel are the, the number one and two receivers. But after that, <laughs> here are the six names that could very realistically start because at every other position, it's like Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the starting quarterback. Chikwaski is probably the starting strong safety. Aaron Banks should start a right guard. Um, DJ Jones is the favorite to start at nose tackle. Here are the six, seven, seven players that, that we had listed as potential wide receiver threes. Richie James, Muhammad Sanu, Jalen Hurd, Jawan Jennings, Trent Sherfield, Travis Benjamin, and Benny Fowler. And I think Fowler is the only player that if you came from the future and told me, hey, this is the player that won the wide receiver three job, that I would, you know, be be kind of taken aback. But I'm everybody still not... This is this is bad on my part. I should have mentioned it before we were recording, but I'm still not ruling out Austin Watkins. <laughs> are you just are you driving the Austin Watkins bandwagon? Are you the no, leader of it's the not Austin a bandwagon. Watkins hive? It's not a bandwagon. He didn't look great in OTAs. That's your guy. It, I don't yeah, I'm not even ascribing <laughs> him to you. myself like, you know, I'm not no, I'm not pounding no, the table for Austin Watkins. I'm just saying I'm not ruling him out because he wasn't great in his first OTAs. Because there was one play against Diamador Lenore that leaked Right. Out. I I want to see him in pads before deciding that he absolutely has no shot. Right, because, because he's big this, and he's physical. At this point in 2017, no one thought Kendrick Bourne would eventually be the, the third wide receiver. Right? Sure. So that's, that's just the point I'm making with Austin Okay. Watkins. Anyway, carry okay. on. <sighs> Austin Watkins has been added to the list. Eight guys now. Okay. You, you happy? Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for this to be a bit. Um, so, I guess you threw me off. Um, My apologies. Richie James, Richie James is probably, if they had to play a game tomorrow, is probably the, the third receiver. Yeah. But would it shock you at all if, if he doesn't wind up winning – the job um it wouldn't mildly shock you know it wouldn't shock i would be mildly surprised okay you know, i like i think muhammad sanu has had a good spring and maybe he's going maybe his ankle injury that caused him to to lose lots of speed the last couple seasons maybe his ankle is in a better place now than it was um but i know you know despite mike mcdaniel gassing him up in the press conference and saying he's <laughs> going to be really hard to beat up and all that beat out and all that stuff like i'm just not necessarily buying the muhammad sanu thing right now um and maybe you know maybe i'll be wrong about that uh but you know he's i think he the reason why he he got a lot of he caught a lot of passes in training camp was because he's one of the only veterans out there and when you're in training camp there's you know it's easy to make catches in otas um so yeah, I think Richie James is probably the favorite. Mohamed Sanu, the re- another reason why I'm a little dubious is special teams value. Like is is he going to be on punt coverage or you know, like is he going to be a gunner? I don't really see it. Um I do think that's that's where Trent Sherfield has a significant advantage is that he was brought in because of how good he is on special teams and with Raheem Mostert now being a starting cornerback, there's sort of a 
a vacuum there for that next like gunner um to to you know be a standout for the 49ers and Tavarius Moore was another one of those guys by the way um so I think Sherfield has a really good shot at making the team I don't know and being you know and being one of the six receivers but I just don't know that if that means he, he's the third the number three option necessarily um Jalen Hurd's easily the most intriguing guy on the list yes by um, a wide margin by a wide margin and I've made the Chase Claypool comparison before. I yep. think that's like the ceiling, and I think that's what the 49ers envisioned when they drafted him. Um, but obviously he's a massive question mark because he still never played after being drafted in 2019. Um, very physical guy, a tough guy, a guy who adds a dimension that they don't really have in that he's a big receiver who can do a lot of the same things, maybe athletically, that George Kittle does. Mm-hmm. over the middle of the field and might offer a similar dynamic just in terms of the way he blocks. Um, like he's a receiver who can block linebackers, I think. Um, yeah. And certainly there was safeties. talk of moving him to tight end. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a very physical guy. And if he's healthy, I think he probably solves a lot of their, he's he sol- he answers the question, right? If he's healthy. Um, Juwan yeah, Jennings is interesting. And there's you know, still I, the multi-positional intrigue with him too. Yeah. Yeah, and Jawan Jennings is sort of similar to Hurd in that he's got he's got size, but you know Jennings is not fast, very um, slow, very very slow. But he's you know he can that doesn't mean he can't be an effective player. Like Kendrick Bourne wasn't particularly fast either. Um, not that I'm necessarily comparing the two because I think J- Jennings has, has a completely different type of game than Bourne does. Right, right. But I think some of the things that apply to Hurd, I think you could say about Jennings. Um, including the fact that, you know, Jennings didn't play last year because he was hurt. I think Jennings would have played um, had he not had his hamstring injury. So, um, I, can I, it's can I injury questions. Like, Go figure. <laughs> with the 49ers, get out of town. Yeah. So one of the things with Juwan Jennings is I think his lack of speed only comes in when talking about what positions he can play. Okay. I think that's much more of an issue when you're putting him outside versus putting him in the slot. Right, big slot. Big slot. And <laughs> one of the one of the fascinating things about him was he's just a monster after the catch. He's just really really freaking hard to tackle. And so that's why I think if if you're going to talk about okay, he doesn't have speed, well he has essentially everything else. Like if he can separate enough then then he has the skill set I think to be to be pretty effective as a third receiver in, in Shanahan's offense. But like I said, if 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 you're running a I think he ran like a four seven three forty four seven five maybe. Yeah. That's that that's not like oh he's slow he runs a four five. Like that's that's to where it's like oh maybe he's not gonna be able to be an effective player in the NFL. That's that's the speed where it's like, uh, can he outrun linebackers? I'm not sure. Right. So so that that's the question mark with him. Maybe he's awesome at getting off the line and getting separation, and and it's not going to be a problem. But we we just we haven't really gotten to see it yet. But I would be really really interested to see just a season of of him on an NFL roster, just to kind of see what kind of role he could he could carve out. Um, Trent yeah. Sherfield. Trent Sherfield, I don't know much about him as a receiver. Um, I do know he's a good special teams player, and I think 
like I said, I think he has a really good chance to make the team as a special teams player. Um, Travis Benjamin, a little Marquise Goodwin vibes, like hmm. not not as fast, but that's I think that's sort of the type of player the Niners envision when they when they got Travis Benjamin, right? Like a deep threat, maybe somebody who could spread the defense out a little bit. That being said, I have no idea if he's going to make the team or not. Um, because we didn't get to see a whole lot of him during OTAs either. And he, he you know, he didn't play last year, but, so, um, but I, I think that's sort of the role they envision for him. And you know what? Like, it wouldn't be crazy if he was a third guy, right? Like he would, it wouldn't be crazy so if he made the team and if he made the team, he's going to play because he's not going to make the team and, and just be a special teamer. So his last fully healthy, healthy season was with the chargers in 2017. Mm-hmm. And he caught 34 balls for 567 yards and four touchdowns. I think that's if a he's lot getting... of yards, a, a lot of yardage for so few catches. Right, and it's like if that's what he's giving to the 49ers, they would take that as their wide receiver three yesterday. Yeah, if their third guy is getting 500 catches or 500 yards, yeah, that would be. A very nice come up. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. So, so that's that. I, I don't think he would obviously get to 567 yards, but that just goes to if he can be healthy for 16 games and give them 400 yards, 450, and a couple touchdowns, then I, I don't, I don't think it's outrageous at all to, to think that, that he'd be the third receiver. But, but to, to that point and to the point with, I think a lot of these guys, <laughs> I think I, there's as good a chance I'm trying to do some some counting on the fly and it's not going well. I'm so bad at that. There's a there's a I know I, I'm like when I have to count on the fly I'm like one two sh- sh- what comes after two? <laughs> <laughs> what number was I on? Uh no, so basically all these guys to varying degrees could be the third receiver or not make the team. Yeah. That's a... that's what's so wild about this group. In fact, I think of all these guys, if I'm handicapping, like, okay, this guy's for sure on the team. I think Sherfield probably is the best chance because yeah. of his special teams ability. Yeah, he probably is the best chance to make the team out of those guys. But if you were to just rank him in terms of being the number three receiver, he might be one of the lowest. Get wild, dude. This. So, yeah. I mean, I... You know, I have no idea, really. And I think it's going to be... I mean, it's definitely going to be the deepest competition. Like, it's a competition yeah. with easily the most question marks. Benny Fowler is also on the list. Former yeah. Bronco and Saint. I think you said he had, like, 97 career catches. Uh, Yes, something like that. Um, Kevin White, fast. former Bears first-round pick. Still around? He can do some stuff. Yeah. I wonder... It would be with that. That would be. I don't even I remember what year the, Kevin White was the, drafted. 2015, I think. Okay. Number seven overall out of West Virginia. Yeah. And wild. Has there ever been a college that produced more awesome offensive players that just didn't do anything in the NFL? Like between <sighs> Pat White and Steve Slayton and Noel Devine and Kevin White. And Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin's another one. It's a really good one. I don't know. I just yeah, think I'm a with lot. you. Uh, it I'm would, with you. Would Gino it be, Smith? Would it be? Oh, Gino Smith, another good one. Yeah. 
would it be more or less crazy? Let's say Kevin White <laughs> has the wide receiver equivalent of the year Jason Verrett had last season. <laughs> would that be more or less insane than Jason Verrett having the Jason Verrett season he had last year? So the wide receiver equivalent of what Jason Verrett did last year would be like 60 catches and 800 yards and five touchdowns. I feel like. Okay. That would be bananas if they got that, that from would Kevin White. Totally <laughs> insane. <laughs> that would be completely bananas. He has 25 catches since getting drafted in 2015, 284 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Oof. Yeah. Super fast. Really good athlete. I mean, they. Great athlete. He was another one who they actually liked on for what he did on special teams. They liked him as a gunner, which is, I think, one of the thing, one of the reasons why he stuck around. Yeah. Um, Played three games last year. 6'3, 216, still got that imposing size. Um, you know, what'd you say? Six, six, what? Six, three, two, 16. It'd be a really beefy fit along <laughs> that receiving core, but, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. I mean, it's, the, it's not, it's not, he's not going to make the team. It's not going to be that interesting. He might be on the practice squad, but no, the, the, yeah, Kevin White is, his, <laughs> but his, if he, <laughs> His role in it is not all that interesting. I think what's interesting is just how many guys there are, how many different combinations there could be. Um, but I think the the last point I'd want to make is that like Jalen Hurd is far and away the most talented option. Yes, I agree. So and that would be think... the best case scenario is just getting Jalen Hurd to play a full season of football. Yeah, and there's there's obviously a lot of question marks, not just with his health, but. He played receiver for one year in college. Right. And he played games. He transferred to Baylor and probably worked out as a receiver during his year off. When you transfer, the, the year you're required to take off. And then he played receiver effectively for, for the Bears the following year for Baylor. So he hasn't, I mean, really had a ton of experience at that position at all. Maybe the greatest preseason performance of all time, though. He was in really that, good against the Cowboys in that week one preseason game. But I, I mean, think, that, but, but I, that if, if Jalen Hurd had not had that preseason game, the conversation about him would be completely different. Yeah, I think, I think that's fun. right. But, but he catches a, a touchdown where he runs just kind of a, a drag route and then slams through two defenders into the end zone, just lowers his shoulder and yeah. shows off that kind of running back uh, finishing skill set and then catches a, a, jump ball on a, on a fade to the, to the corner high point for a second touchdown. Yeah. It just looked like a guy who'd been doing it forever. And it was just Phys like, Oh, like, Oh shit. <laughs> Physical at the catch. Point. Like he might be really good. So I, I, I agree with you, but I think if every player on here is healthy throughout OTAs and going into the season, I think Jalen Hurd is probably the favorite under those circumstances. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're handicapping it for real, I think Richie James right now on June 15th or whatever it is, um, is, is probably the favorite. Yeah. I think he's a favorite. I also think he's a favorite to make the team and be the punt returner. Yeah. So that's yeah, a he, part of it too. It's just whether or not he's going to be like wide receiver five or wide receiver three. Right. Or four or six. Pretty sure they're going to have six of them though. 
Yeah, it's 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 Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and then a combination of four of the eleven players, probably. Yeah, I would say receiver. Yeah, I think so. If if Hurts healthy makes it, if I think James makes it, and I think Sherfield makes it. So that's so five. That's five. So then the sixth spot goes to one of Jennings, Benjamin, Watkins, Sanu, Riv Craycraft, Andy Jones, ben- Benny Fowler, Kevin White, Andy Jones, who famously has the same last name as Julio Jones. Get out of town. Yeah. <laughs> Has there been that. has there been a joke ever? And we'll we'll wrap up here. We're done talking about real stuff. Subscribe, rate, review if you want to turn it off now. Uh, <laughs> but don't. Um, has there ever been a joke? I don't want to say on the internet because I don't want to put it on that level. But has there ever been a joke on 49ers Twitter and the 49ers small section of Twitter that got overworked faster? Then 49ers sign wide receiver Jones. Right. Um, they, they signed Andy the, Jones, if you missed it. They signed Andy Jones, a free agent. Hasn't played since 2018 during the height of the Julio Jones trade rumors. Keep going. Yeah. So I think your point is valid. I think the joke that has been most overdone just in total is the Trent Balky ACL thing. It's so annoying. Although... although it doesn't help that Balky leans into the bit. He does. Every he, time. He like only drafted players this year with Jacksonville who had knee injuries, which was just like incredible and hilarious. But it was all like there there was a while there even after Trent Balky was fired after like every ACL injury, it was like, Oh, I thought Trent Balky left. You know, it's like, okay, like some version of that joke. It's Someone like, call right. Trent Balky. Like all right. right. Exactly. Um, but I feel like so, that one take took a while to kind of marinate. Yeah, it well. It, Whereas I, the, I the 49ers writing, signed Jones just like within eight seconds, ninety six different people had put it. Second. Not that Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um. What other Niners jokes have, are are pretty old? I'd have to think about that. Maybe that's a future segment for for later this summer. We could start talking about Niners Twitter. <laughs> I would love that. Let's do it on locker room one time. <laughs> we'll rank members of 49ers Twitter. Oof. I don't know if I'm quite like honestly, I don't know if I I'm, am. Okay, I, you're, dude, I'll fly maybe I'll host. On. I'll get maybe, Rob. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll host and, buddy and I'll ask you and Rob for all the answers. That sounds great. Rob Lauder of the Striking Gold podcast. Um Right here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Subscribe, rate, and review to that one if you haven't. Uh, <laughs> I would, yeah. Let's. We need to do that. Evan Soward's okay. number one, by the way. Love that guy. Okay. Shout out to Evan. Forty Nine ers Twitter MVP. Does he listen if you to the pod? Doubt it. He has better things going on, but he might. He might hear that his don't name sell, got don't shouted sell out. Don't short. A lot of people listen to this pod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hope I mean that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Anyways, we're gonna go Evan, now. Tweet tweet at Kyle if uh, if you listen to this. Yeah, or if if you don't, uh, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm out of gas. Do we want to? 
do we want to briefly hint at what could be coming in um, August at some point? I mean, that's you. You are the one with the keys on that. Sure. I'm okay. sitting shotgun. Sure. Shotgun's a no pun intended. So we've never done a live event. No. Um, sure. So we are in the process. I think all I want to say right now is we are in the process of putting together a live event surrounding something else. Um, also involved in the pod uh, that I'm super excited about. And um, so, yeah, at some point in August, we are going to try to have a live event. And that's the only hint I'm going to say right about now. Actually, I'll it would say have been, if, you're, it would have if been... you're in the North Bay, uh, it, it, will, it might be in your neck of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. It would have been super funny if you were like, all I'm going to say is, and then just spilled the entire thing. (laughs) Exactly what it is. No, we're still hammering out the details. um, And once we have more, we will, we will let everybody know. Of course, we'll probably talk about it a ton. We're going to tease it a lot. Yeah. But this is the first public tease. Um, Like I said, I'm super excited about it. If you, if you know where I'm from and what I'm interested in (laughs) when I go home, um, that might that might be another clue that's that could be helpful to you, but uh, yeah, there, we're gonna have a live event at some point in August, and um, just wanted to put that on everybody's radar uh, because we haven't had one, and it could be really cool, and there could be some cool cool people involved in addition to Kyle and I. Man, that's a lot of hints. And that's more. That's probably more hints than than I you should have given. You divulged a lot. But um, now we just have now we just have more motivation to make sure that it happens. You know, more accountability. I'm gonna, dude. I would like it would be. I'd be really upset. Oh yeah, me too. Super bummed. Anyways, let's stop talking before we <laughs> give it all up. Subscribe, rate, review if you haven't. Tell your friends. Uh, love doing the pod. Thanks everybody for listening. Evan Swords, if you do listen, let me know. See. Ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.